0: The Maranatha Church of Jacksonville family for a while, and I, and I just and, and I'm just going to take a moment and prove it to you. So what do I remember? What I remember when Brian and a group of guys took trees that were on this property with chainsaws and very artfully created this cross. This cross came from trees that used to line the driveway on this property. I remember when a huge group of us basically got around this location right here, circled around it. How many of you guys remember that? And we prayed before this building was built. I remember watching <laughs> Jeff and Brian take down by themselves many of the trees in an extremely dangerous manner <laughs> that lined the driveway around here. Um, I've got video of that. Uh, I, I also remember uh, around a little after when uh, the church bought this property Coming with a group of intercessors, and I don't. Do you guys remember the big black gate that used to be fence and gate that used to be out there? I remember. um, I was in a car with some intercessors, and we were singing, and they were singing, "Open up the gates," and and uh, and uh, to this song. And we drove up to the gates, and the gates opened, and there was no electricity going to the gates, and there were no motors on the gates, and they just opened. It was bizarre and weird, but we took it as a sign from God. (laughs) I remember. Jeff asking me to research, because I'm a researcher and a historian, I love that stuff, uh, this property, and when they were looking to buy it. And I remember finding out that the owners, the family that owned the very first Christian television station used to own this property, and they used to call it Jubilee Ranch, I remember sensing that there was something special about this property. I remember all of the good and incredible things—the baptisms, the incredible sermons, the generational healing service we did at the old, uh, the <laughs> the last location that this church was at. I remember, um, I remember coming back after being away from five years in Jacksonville and seeing, seeing a difference, a positive positive incredible difference in the unity in the body of believers in Jacksonville in realizing that it stemmed from a house of prayer and a prayer movement here in Jacksonville that this church was instrumental in starting and supporting for many many years I remember (laughs) I remember the days when I got a call from from uh, Jeff and Brian said from Brian saying there's a lot of stuff changing we're moving. We don't know where we're going, but we know that the people are going to come with us. I remember also um, the days when we were over in the Journey Church space, and I remember when we made friends with a whole lot of homeless people. And it was crazy, but it was wonderful, and we met some of the most incredible people during those days. And I even remember um, there was a, a, the very first space that this church was at on Youngerman's Circle. Uh, it was back in a warehouse, and uh, we didn't have good signage or anything like that, but because of the pastors and the staff and those original members through relationships, pulling a corporate body of people together. And I remember the time when Brian told me at a wedding, I was sitting with Brian and Carrie, and Brian said, yeah, there's this guy in Jacksonville, and he wants me to come and maybe be his worship leader. He's planting a church, but I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I remember all of the salvations and the baptisms. Not all of them. Many of you remember more, but I remember the uniqueness of this church and what God has done over the years. I also remember in 2008, over 12 years ago, standing in front of this church and telling you all what a special and unique place that this is. And I have not changed my mind because it is. Today we're going to be talking about promises. We're going to be talking about the longevity of God's promises we're going to be talking about how we interact from one season to another. And, uh, and the name of this sermon is, Your Table is Ready. And, and this is because as I was praying about it, I was like, Lord, what, what do you want me to share with the people of Maranatha? And, and, and normally, I'm a Bible teacher. I love just to teach Bible. And we take a good Bible story. We reflect on it. We see how does that apply to our lives. But every time I come here I feel like the Lord's like no we're going to have some fun and do something different. <laughs> and so really today my job I believe is to offer an invitation to you all to 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 recognize or at least join in to a move that God is already doing in this particular church. I believe he he's moving uh, this church from A to B. And a lot of times when pastors get up and say, "I want to make an invitation to you," a lot of times that's all about here's all the things you're doing wrong, and I want you to do all of these right things. And that's not really what the Lord the Lord likes us to do right things. But really, the message today can be more summed up with this phrase: Maranatha Church of Jacksonville, party of about 250. Your table is ready. I believe there's been a season to where we've been waiting. Kind of like, you know, when you wait at a restaurant forever and there's a long, long wait, we've been waiting at a restaurant and the the Lord is saying, okay, it's now time we're taking you to your table. When I say this, though, I want you to know that that does not negate or minimize all of the incredible things that God has done before. I think there's something very good coming, but definitely that's not to overshadow or for us to forget the incredible, wonderful things that he has done. How old is the church now, Brian? 16, 17 years, something like that? Um, uh, and so to even demonstrate this, I want to show you these two things that are up here. This right here is the Bible that uh, I got when I was, uh, I think I had graduated from high school, my first or second, probably my first or second Christmas in college. This has been my Bible for well over for well over 20 years, and, uh, and I love it because I'm visual. I know that when I go to Ephesians, the ver- Ephesians 6 starts kind of in the upper right-hand corner. And I've, I know all my notes, everything I can visualize in it. The problem is, is that I've used it so much that there's like I'm missing a third of the Psalms. And part of Ephesians has been ripped out. I mean, just, and it's just from, and I, I recognize that maybe it's time to get a new Bible. And so when uh, I got married this past October, and my wife and I, woohoo, that's right. Uh my, my wife and I uh, decided that we would get each other Bibles for, um, for uh, you know, we would pick out Bibles, and that would be our gift to one another when we got married. And we both inscribed very sweet things in the front and all that. Um, but, uh, I, I you know, Kalani was like, you know, you, your Bible's kind of big. You may need something a little smaller, a little bit more compact. And I said, I know. I've got just the thing. <laughs> so this is the Bible I picked out. But I'm putting it up here just to show you, that uh, this is a picture I want you to see, is that we're going to be talking about where the Lord's taking this church, but it's all built on the foundation of what he's done before. You see that? So the foundation of the old is what the new is built upon. And we don't despise that foundation. We walk on it, that foundation, every day. But we are excited for the new things that are coming. Amen? All right. Good deal. And now, i 'm talking about going from point A to point B to the new phase, going to a table and all this, and it can sound a little vague and kind of out there spiritual uh, and this is the type of message where my prayer my heart is that as i 'm speaking i 'm not really i 'm not being specific about certain things because I think there's specific things the Lord himself wants to speak to you about, so as i 'm listening, you have my full permission to kind of tune me out for a minute or two if the Lord is speaking to you about something. Now, what does that look like? That could be he reminds you of something that he did in the past. It can just be a sense or feeling of a hunger. Sometimes it can also be just a a nudging that, oh, maybe something needs to change or maybe I need to try something new. So everyone, as I'm speaking, again, you have my permission just to kind of tune out for a minute if the Lord is speaking something to you. So with that in mind, let's take a moment and just pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the great restorer. Would you speak louder than me during these next few moments? Would you begin to stir those dormant things in us that you're waking up? Will you arise, O oh Lord, with healing in your wings? O oh, Jesus, the great resurrector, restore, remind, and rebuild in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Sometimes the longevity of the promises of God are far more than we expected. Now, what does that mean? Sometimes it takes a lot longer than we expected something to happen. I can remember getting a sense someone telling me, you know, I feel like God's going to do it. And I felt I was like, yes, God is going to do this particular thing in my life. And thinking, wow, this might take a while. Like it might take a week or two to happen. Wow, you know. And especially when we're younger, uh, we, we can have a sense that those promises that God has spoken, whatever that is, you know, it's, you know, to us a long time is maybe six weeks or a month, a month and a half. But I can tell you, because God is eternal, because he is good, and because he sees a bigger picture than what we see, sometimes the full manifestation of his promises in our lives take much longer than we expected. And that's because many times we underestimate the value, the worth, and the magnitude of the promises he's telling us. In like form, we underestimate the journey that we have to go on to see those promises fulfilled. And the naysayers, you know, that naysayer that's in our ears, they say, see it's taken so long. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But in fact, what's happening is that the Lord is saying, This is where I'm taking you. And I'm taking you on this journey to form you in such a way to where you can fully live out what I promised you. Um, Brian and, and Carrie and I were part of a, uh, a ministry, a college ministry, where God did some really <laughs> incredible things. It was messy and crazy and the holy spirit was doing some really incredible things and i know formed all three of us in some wonderful wonderful ways and we had a sense that god was going to break out in a revival that you know that that would that would be you know shake our campus that people from all over would come and and there was this sense and and um, and as i think back on that part of me is thankful that it didn't happen let me tell you why because we were crazy 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds, and if God moved in such a way, we really didn't have the wisdom and the formation really to steward that in a way that would bring fruit that lasts. And John, we're told to pray for fruit that lasts, and sometimes the Lord is taking his time with us because he's wanting to create an environment in us and in those we work with and minister in our families where the fruit that he provides is not just a flash in the pan, but where that fruit... Will last. Does that make sense? Um, so with all this, um, we have to realize that we, as we mature, our understanding of his promises mature in our lives as well. So, uh, do we have anyone who's seven, eight, or nine years old? Anyone that, that old? So, so if I was to say, I'm going to give you a really great gift, what would you hope that I'm giving you? Anybody? Maybe. I don't know what I don't know what you maybe a, a video game console. I sound like an open You want some of the video games? You like those? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm getting a thumbs up. So when when we're we're young, the young people they like the video games. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but when you're 16, if I say I've got the best gift for you, you may you may be thinking video game, but you may be thinking he's gonna get me a car. That's right. When you're 30, it's even more exciting. He's gonna pay off my student loans. Yeah. And I don't know, when you're in your 60s, maybe you're just thinking, I can retire early or I get to, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll ask some of our folks. I'm not going to call out anyone. But, but as we mature, those promises and those things that would excite us, our context for understanding promises changes. And so every once in a while, we have to stop and we have to take stock and begin to say, all right, Lord, these are the things that you've promised us. And, and when we hold on to promises, we can get into trouble when we, the Lord gives us a promise and we hold on to it super tight. And we have, we have a real built-in idea of what that promise is going to look like, and it's going to be like this, and anything different is not the Lord, and I need to fight and kick against it. But when we hold the promises of God, because we understand that our ability to perceive what's coming our ability to understand the plan of God is extremely limited. We hold it real, ge- we hold it loosely, so that He can mold it and shape it. And as He matures us, begin to mature those promises. Does that make sense? All right, good. Um, what I want to do is uh, just address a few things because somewhere along the way, when we have been engaging and walking through promises our visions that the Lord has given us for our lives, for our ministry, who we're called to be, what we're called to do, sometimes along the way we can begin to lose things. Certain fires in us can begin to dull down. And within within some of us we can begin to believe lies because the things we expected didn't happen. Hope deferred, the the scriptures say, make the heart sick. And sometimes we need the Lord to... It's like an oil change to take that old hope that was really small out and put new hope in our hearts. And so that's, that's kind of what we're going to be doing. Some of us believe today that we are too old, too busy. We've made too many mistakes. We've missed the bus. We've missed the train. We've missed our chance. We're too messed up, too stupid, too flawed, and we're too much damaged goods for God to do something big with us. And I need to tell you that that is untrue. Now, immediately, if I were you a few years ago, I'd say, well, see, that's Gary being a pastor. He's being sweet and nice, and he's supposed to tell us nice things about ourselves so we feel all better. That's not what I'm doing. I'm not trying to make you feel better. I'm trying to free you from a delusion that the enemy speaks into our minds. The promises of God are yea and amen. They are yes and they are full. Now, sometimes they do take us interacting with them to do things, but God's grace is far bigger than all of our perceived inabilities. Amen? Uh, the Lord is inviting us to a new place. As a church, as a congregation, as individuals, he's calling us from point A to point B. He's saying, Maranatha Church, your table is ready. And so, moms, what do you do if you've got a family and you guys are moving from the waiting area to the table. What do you, you look around, don't you? You're making sure. Okay, do we have everybody? Okay, are all these children actually mine? You know, and and you're moving to the table. And right now, what what I'm going to encourage us to do is just take inventory of where we are. What are we holding on to? What are some of those things that you know? Well, that, that that is the Rogers kid. He's not part of our family. He needs to go back with his. What do we need to let go of? And what are those things that maybe we lost? We lost. We need to ask the Lord to restore to us in these times. I believe, um, even though where we're going, I think, this is just Gary, okay? So you guys, you guys pray about it, see if this feels right to you. But I think there's four areas, at least, of the things in this new season that God is going to be providing for us, okay? This is kind of bold and gutsy that I, I'd be actually naming things, but I'm going to do it, and if it's not right, Lord, you just correct it. But I think, I think these are all things the Lord likes. The first thing is gifts, gifts of the Spirit, I think the Lord is going to begin to stir in us, some of us to remind us of gifts that we've operated in the past, but he's going to begin to stir in us either a hunger for those new gifts. The Apostle Paul says, eagerly desire spiritual gifts so that you can look awesome. No, that's not why we eagerly desire. We eagerly desire spiritual gifts so that we can advance the kingdom of God. And what my sense is, is with the spiritual gifts that God wants to pour out, it's not with just a few superstars on a stage, but it's to a whole congregation to where anybody, no matter what age, no matter what your spiritual maturity is, that God wants to begin to move in great power and love that could even be called miraculously through us. And in a culture of a church like this, it's kind of normal. Oh, someone got healed in church today. Oh, that's great. You know, that's, that, means, that means we are living out what we're called to do. The Holy Spirit spoke to me very clearly today. Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's great. Instead of that being a standalone miraculous moment, I think what the Lord is calling us to do, that just becomes a normative part of who following Jesus in a congregation is all about. And so instead of us necessarily exhibiting gifts to be really awesome, we're exhibiting gifts because he loves other people, and that's how we grow, and that's how we reach other people. And to where The story isn't about a person. It's about the great God that gives his people gifts and works through them. Amen? So I think the Lord is going to be stirring up gifts. I also think that he's going to be reminding us of promises that he's made in the past. And he's going to be promising us new things that we're going to hold lightly, that we're going to use wisdom with, and that we're going to trust that he is good and that he's taking us where we need to go. I think that he's going to give us gifts and promises. I think he's also going to build in us the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians tells us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. When I was young, I, we would always talk about, you've got the gifts of the Spirit, and then you've also got the fruit. Uh, you know, the fruit was always kind of the boring part, but the older I get, the more I'm like, yeah, really, in a lot of ways, the fruit of the Spirit is far more. Um, miraculous than even the miraculous gifts of the spirit because when we begin to genuinely interact with each other in love in kindness in patience no matter what's coming against us all of a sudden that's what stands us out from the whole rest of the world and people will look and say this is a peculiar people what do they have i can remember uh being uh when the lord just began to get a hold of my heart in college in that place where uh, I was talking about where Brian and Carrie and I all kind of met. Um, I can remember coming from a moment to where um, I I was, I just left this place to where God had just revealing to me how much work he had to do in me, and I just was feeling his presence and feeling excited and broken all at the same time, and I went to a a little cafe that was right next to where, where I was living, and I sat down and I saw two guys that I knew, and they were super into the party lifestyle I mean, every other word was, was, you know, a swear word, all that kind of stuff, and, and all into all sorts of things that I wasn't. And I sat down and I said, Lord, just let them see the fire of you in me. And the first came, guy came down and he said, Gary, you really got your stuff together. And he actually used a different word than that. But, uh, and, and I just, yeah, I just, it's, God's doing something in me. And he just, and, and, I, and I told him I would pray for him. His friend, who didn't hear that conversation, came back and said the exact same words to me. Now, I knew I was all messed up. I knew that I didn't have my stuff together. But they saw the love and the kindness and the fire of God in me and responded to that. And I felt like the Lord said, Gary, this is just a little taste of what I want to do with my people. I want other people to see something unique and different. And that is that those gifts that are erupting us. That allows us... to to live and coexist together, to work together, to share our lives together. Those gifts, that love, that joy, that peace, that patience, that kindness, that goodness, that faithfulness, that gentleness, and self-control. So I think that God is going to be stirring up gifts. I think he's going to be uh, reminding us in re- of old promises, revealing new promises. I believe the Lord is also going to be stirring up and developing us and celebrating in us the fruit of the Spirit. And as well, I think that God is calling us to a new season of intimacy. Now, what is what is Intimacy. That is that um, this is not correct lexical, this is not the background of the word, but it's a good into me see. It is us knowing if I'm intimate with someone, I know them at a deep level. Does that make sense? And I think the Lord is calling us to a place of intimacy, greater intimacy with himself. Some of us have experienced God as Father. He's the guy up on the throne, and we, we bow to him and we curtsy. And we, you know, do all the honoring things, but closeness and intimate affection may not be exactly what our relationship is about. But God is calling us to a place of intimacy. We're told that when Jesus died on the cross, the veil, that thing that separates us from the presence of God was torn, and it was God's invitation to us to say, come, I want to know you. Come face to face. Your key to getting into the presence of God is not your own goodness. No one can do it on their own. Or your ability to succeed or anything like that. It's just grace. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I receive what you did for me. And you have access to talk to God like a friend. The Lord understands where you've been better than anyone else. He knows you. He already knows what you've done or what you're feeling or what you're thinking, and he would love to talk to you. I used to tell people that it's like God is not just waiting back like this. Let's see if they show up. He is on the edge of his seat waiting for you to say good morning and waiting for you to say hello. And I think corporately and individually, God is releasing a grace for us to begin to engage in that for us to be drawn back into that place of deep intimacy. So that's, that's some of my sense of where we're going. Others of you may have a, a better sense since you're here on the ground at Maranatha, and that that would be great to hear. But, but that's just a little bit of where I th- think that we're going. I want to change gears a little bit and tell you about um, my job when I was 16 years old. Does anyone know... What I did for a job, when I, and Brian and Carrie can't, can't say, but anyone have a guess of what I did when I was 16 years old for a job? Anybody? Anybody? No one's braving? What? Sold cars? No, I didn't sell cars. That would be awesome, though. No, I worked in the shoe department at Steinmart in Mandarin. <laughs> I, I hear you laughing, yeah. Uh, and that's because as a 16-year-old guy, I had a vast knowledge of shoes. No, it's not. Um, I wanted to, uh, I turned 16 and my parents said, well, you can drive and you need a car. You need a job now. So I I checked out a number of places. I wanted to go work for a computer store. Uh, And this is like, this is before Windows even was a big thing. So I impressed them with my knowledge of Multimate and Harvard Graphics. Does anyone have any idea what I'm talking about? No, okay. Uh, uh, okay, great. No, I didn't think so. Um, uh, and and, uh, and so, But what they wanted me to do was like leave high school at noon to come work for them. And they said, you can do a work-study thing. And I was like, no, that's not going to happen. So the only other people who really kind of said that they wanted to talk to me was the Steinmart shoe department. And the shoe department at Steinmart is its own department. It's owned by, a compl- or at least it used to be, owned by a completely different company. And so uh, the rest of the store can't do stuff in the shoe department. And, uh, and so they desperately needed one more part-time person. So I went and trained for a day and a half, and then I was left in the store by myself. I had, I had no idea what I was doing. People would say, well, this shoe stretch, and I would always say, well, maybe a little, a little. Because everything will stretch a little bit. But, but I, 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 that whole experience for me was an experience of boredom, anxiety, in moments of divine encounter. So I can, I can remember leaving at, at 9.30 at night. The store would close at 9, and I would leave at 9.30 after. I counted all the money, did all the stuff, and I would just feel lightness, be like, I'm out, I'm free. And I realized at that moment that I, you know, retail was not in my spirit. That was just not my spiritual gift. It wasn't my calling. I had to interact with people about stuff I really didn't know about. But in the midst of all of that just just oh what a, just, just kind of a not so great job or what I perceived as that. The Lord showed up in lots of different ways. Just so you know, these next few stories have very little to do with the topic at hand. I'm just talking about them. So uh, like one time this lady was irate and she had been terrorizing people in one part of the store and came back to the shoe department and after a short interaction with me grabbed the manager and then started yelling at me at the top of my at the top of her lungs. And saying, Tell me yes or no, did you or did you not do this? And I was like, would yeah and I tried she said, Yes or no, yes or no. And and finally I said, Well yes, and she said, That's all I need to hear. And I mean it was so much anger. Have you ever been around someone that is just so angry you can feel it vibrating off of them inside of you? And I was so I was shaking. And so there's this little spot in the back of the men's shoes section, the the, the rack section where they put all the sale shoes, to where there's only two ways to in or out. And I knew that no one was ever back there, so I went back there. Honestly, and this is this is hard for me. I was 16 year old guy, and I was about to cry because this woman had just just unloaded on me. And I went back there, and there was a there was a, a, an African American man, but he had a Jamaican accent. He had the nice suit on a hat, and he said, "Young man." I am a professor of business, and no one ever has to make you say yes or no. You never, ever have to take that again. And I just was holding back tears, and I said, I'm 16. And I said, thank you, sir. Thank you. And I walked a few feet away, went back to the counter, and said, I need to go back and thank him. And I went back, and keep in mind, there's only one or two ways out of that little area, and no one was there. He disappeared. like, And I, I'm telling you. I, I thought the only place he could have gone was the bathroom. I went in the bathroom, looked under all the stalls, I circled the whole store, and that man had disappeared into thin air. Was it an angel? I, I honestly think so, just to bring a little comfort at that moment. There was, and this I'll be very gentle with this, there was another time at that job to where I was talking to my, uh, the assistant manager who was brand new. She was in her early 20s, and, um, and it looked like her and her husband we're going to have a baby. And uh, she was, she's actually not too happy about it. And she was contemplating what to do. And we had a serious conversation. And um, a, a person from my church walked in with a T-shirt on that said, it's a child, not a choice. And the late, in this, in the midst of this conversation, she saw that T-shirt, she said, that lady with the T-shirt's right. And she made a very good decision. Now, I'm 16 and this lady is talking to me about it, and I watched the Lord do something miraculous in that moment. So in the midst of these times at Steinmart, where I knew I was not in a place that I was called to, in the midst of there, in, in, when I wasn't in ministry, the Lord was using those moments to prepare me for something for later on. Does that make sense? So I, I mentioned that about Steinmart. Also to mention, at the end of a season, Typically at the end of a Christmas season or after we had a big sale, we had to kind of go and do a whole inventory of the store. We'd have to go and look and see, okay, are there any ladies' shoes that are over here in the men's section? Are there any, you know, sometimes there would be a box of, of merchandise that we'd forgotten about back in the storeroom. We had to go take stock. Sometimes there were shoes that corporate said, okay, you don't need these anymore. I want you to send them back. And so we would have to take a few days to go through all of our stock, go through the whole store and say, okay, what are those things that we're holding on to that we don't need to anymore? And what are those things that we've forgotten about that we need to find and bring out on the the floor? I think that's what the Lord is calling us to do today is that we need to take a moment just in quietness and say, Lord, what are those promises that I forgot about? What are those things in me that you've done in the past that you want to do again? And Lord, what are those things maybe that I'm holding on to that that their time has just passed that I need to hand back to you, either because I didn't fully understand them or just because you want to do something even better in my life? Does that make sense? So um, in order to do this, I want to just go through some scripture real quick to understand the nature of God and who he is. And uh, I'm going to move through these rather quickly. God is a restorer. In Luke 15, we read three stories. Uh, The first story, and I think they're going to bring Luke 15, uh, 4 through 7 up on the screen. And I'll read this one. Suppose one of you had a 100 sheep and loses one of them. Does he leave the 99 in open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you in the same way. There will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And uh, what this story is about is basically it's about finding a lost sheep, a lost person who needs to know the Lord, that comes back into the family of God. Jesus then tells a story of someone rejoicing over a lost coin, and he ends the chapter by talking about the parable of the prodigal son to where the father has a son, the younger son. He uh, wants his inheritance, basically telling him his dad, I wish that you were dead, and goes off and spends it and then ends up in total, total poverty and says, hey, if I can go back to my dad and just maybe be one of his servants, it would be better than it would be now. And when the scriptures say when the son was a long way off, the father, this middle-aged or older father, Middle Eastern man, and Middle Eastern men do not run, he saw his son a long way off, and he ran. He ran. Throughout Luke 15, what I want you to get from that is God loves finding lost people and lost things. God loves restoring lost things. So perhaps over the years, perhaps over the time where you had a promise that maybe you felt, well, I, just, I guess I lost that, ask the Lord to restore those parts of those things that were his, and that he wants to bring to light today. So God is a restorer. God is also a God of resurrection. There may be things in our life that we felt are just dead parts of our spiritual life, parts of our journey. Well, that was a time way back then when I was excited about Jesus, but now I've gotten a little older, and I guess I guess that time is over. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, Jesus has stayed away from even though he's heard that Lazarus is sick he stayed away in John 11 until he gets news that Lazarus has died and then Lazarus' sisters run up to him and said Lord if you were only only here and then John 11 verse 23 Jesus says to Martha your brother will rise again and Martha answered I know he'll rise again in the resurrection in the last day so he's saying your brother is going to resurrect and and she's like yeah we know we know later later on and Jesus looks at her and says, "Um, uh, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though he die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Jesus is the resurrection. And then he goes on from there and calls the dead man, Lazarus, out of his tomb. Jesus loves to find lost things. And Jesus is the resurrector of the dead. Also... God is long-suffering. In Matthew 18, this is I love this. In my job at Christian Healing Ministries, we walk people through forgiveness all the time. And forgiveness is one of those things that is so key. Jesus brings it up over and over and over again in the Gospels. It is so key for us moving along as Christians um, and, and just to inherit all the promises, all the healing that God has for us. Unforgiveness is like one of those weights that just kind of keeps us in one place when God is ushering us into a new season. I just throw that out to say if there's anyone in here who maybe there's an issue of unforgiveness that the Lord just brings to your mind, it may seem really trivial or it might seem really deep. Just I would highly encourage you to take that to the Lord. And that doesn't necessarily mean that by you forgiving them the lord wants to wipe away any of the wants you to just ignore the pain that that situation caused it's not saying well it's right or you know a lot of times when we forgive people we say oh it's no big deal oh it's okay no when we have to forgive someone we're saying it was a big deal it wasn't okay but i'm going to forgive you And so I'm deciding that no longer do I hold anything against you, no longer are you in debt to me about anything, and I release you fully from my anger and my unforgiveness, and I give you to God and trust that he's going to be wise with you to know what to do, and I'm no longer looking to create justice for myself. Amen? Because some of us are longing for justice to happen in a certain area, and some of us might even be angry with God. And it's a good exercise, and this might be hard to hear, but sometimes we actually need to forgive God. Not that he did anything wrong, but in our hearts we've held something so so hard against him, we need to say, Lord, I forgive you. Even though you probably didn't do anything wrong, I release you from my bitterness and from my anger. It may seem either like a big thing or even a real trivial thing, but sometimes those small moments of unforgiveness can keep us from fully interacting with all that God has for us. But other than that, why does God want us to forgive? I think it's because it's part of his nature. In Matthew 18, uh, 21, we read, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. So Jesus says, Peter, I want you to forgive multiple, multiple times. And I really do think that's because that's a reflection, not just of God giving a command of something he wants to see, He's trying to form us into his own image. He forgives over and over and over again. Throughout the Old Testament, sometimes we have the vision that God is the God who, they messed up once and now I'm irritated with them. What we don't realize is that sometimes a paragraph in the Old Testament is a 100 years of time And God has been long-suffering. He's been calling his people back over and over and over. And finally, when they get to the point to where they are not only not listening, but there's no chance of them turning around without some other impetus, then he begins to put things in their lives that will begin to draw them back. Even in the Old Testament, throughout all of the Scripture, we see that God's love and forgiveness is everlasting and it's continually available. God likes to restore things that are lost. He likes to resurrect things, and He is long suffering. He is willing. He is willing not only to ask us to forgive seventy times seven, but to forgive seventy times seven Himself. And then finally, God loves redemption. I'm going to read this from Psalm 18. Um, this is verse 15 through 19. The valleys of the sea were exposed, and the foundations of the earth laid bare at your rebuke, O Lord. At the blast of your breath from your nostrils, he reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of the deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delights in me. Do you know that the Lord delights in you? He does. And, and for those of you who are thinking, well, I know he delights in everyone else, but I'm not sure about me. No, he delights in you too. You're not that special. <laughs> he does. The Lord likes to find lost things. He likes to restore. He's long-suffering. He likes to resurrect, and he likes to redeem, to pull us out of dark places and bring us into light places. Um, The interesting thing about the timing of God is that sometimes with the fulfillment the, the fulfillment of these promises of the new thing that he's doing, sometimes it takes a little while, sometimes it happens suddenly. Throughout the book of Mark, we read, and suddenly Jesus did this, and suddenly Jesus did that. I believe that the Lord is going to be doing a little of both in our midst over the next time period. So what are some of the things? Gary, you've told us all of these things about who God is, that he's long-suffering, that he's a redeemer. He wants to do all these stuff. You've talked about going back and looking at the promises of God. You've talked about going back and, uh, and maybe the Lord, what the next things he wants to do is bring great gifts, that he wants to bring great fruit. He wants to restore promises and give us new ones, and that he wants to draw us into more intimate and deep place with him. So what, what are we supposed to do about it? On one hand... Nothing <laughs> part of this is something that he is doing, and he is sovereign, and he 's not waiting necessarily for us to say the right prayer or do the right thing, but what we can do is be- get on the bus. We can begin to say, "All right, Lord, I see what you 're doing. I know that we 're going somewhere new. I see this happening how do i How do I get on board And a lot of times, we need to do something physical, we need to step out in some way. Not only just to tell the Lord we're interested in doing whatever he wants to do next, but also just for our own sakes. I'll have these conversations with the Lord in my head and sense these things that he wants to do. And you know what? If it all stays up here, sometimes it all stays up here. And I don't begin to live out and act into the things of God until I do something. That's why in church, a lot of times after a sermon, people will call you forth for an altar call. There's a need for movement. There's a need for us to step out and do something with what we feel burning inside of us. Sometimes if there's something that, like I see something in the Bible or something historical that I sense the Lord saying, hey, I want you to just keep an eye out for that. I will, I will buy a book or look up something on the web. I will do something in physical response to whatever that thing is, sometimes if I'm reminded of a promise, I'll go back to my journal and look up that promise. If I'm reminded of a season where the Lord is doing great things and I feel like he might be wanting to draw me back to that place or do something similar, I'll go back and listen to the worship music that I was listening during that time. I'll go back and listen to a sermon that I was reading. It's, it's kind of amazing is that during this whole big political season, uh, I, I've wanted to, <laughs> this is really weird, I've wanted to go and really figure out what's happening because there's a lot of weird stuff just happening in our culture, in the news. I mean, how many jokes have we heard about 2020 just being a strange time? And I'm like, all right, I need to figure I need to watch the news and figure out what's going on. And that's not a bad thing. But every time I pray about it, I'm like, all right, Lord, how do, how do I need to pray for all this stuff? He draws me back to something completely different. He has been reminding me of teachings that I heard of moments of renewal and revival all the way back from the 90s and early 2001 period. And so what I have been doing for the last few months is going back and listening on teachings about worship and on the presence of the Lord. I've been listening to all of these old things, and they're beginning to stir things in me. And I'm like, Lord, there are monumental political things that are happening out here. I, I need, and he's like, no, no, no. Your job is here in my presence for right now. Now, does this mean that we shouldn't vote or shouldn't be aware of what's... No, I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is that sometimes we need to be asking the Lord, where do you want my heart? And where do you want my focus? There is enough stuff happening in the culture to pull us in and fully engulf us in the conflicts and the things that are happening in this world, but we will not have the right perspective to act rightly in the world unless we've been in his presence. If we are, and I've done this myself, if we are addicted to the 24-hour news cycle, that's the table we're feasting at. And God's saying, I've got your table over here. But it's hard sometimes, either with the news cycle with maybe some other habit or some other thing that's drawing us in, that's giving us a false sense of community and identity, sometimes those, we're eating, we've, you know, the hostess is calling our name and God's saying, I have a table over here and you're like, I'm good, I'm at the bar. I'm, I'm, you're eating, you're just eating junk food and God's got something else for you over here. Hear me. I'm not saying we all need to vote, we need to, we need to know, we need to be part of the process All of those things. But if we are so enmeshed in that particular process that it has overcome our identity and instead of being a force of God's love and resurrection and healing in our community, we've learned to really be irritated at other people and and need I even say, begin to hide hate in our heart for other people. We've got a problem. I want to stop right here. I'm not talking about any other side. I'm talking about left or right, Democrat, Republican. I'm just talking about the system of the world. The enemy is up to things, and what he's wanting to do is destroy things. And if we're part of that destructive process, that's a problem. We have the ability to have a higher perspective. The Apostle John heard God say, come up higher, come up here. And sometimes we, we did. There's so many sources of information and things. And, and people, and sometimes it's just really cathartic to be angry about things. It really is. I've needed to be angry. I've been in my house with a mask on for four months. And I just need to be angry at somebody. This is helpful. You know? And it can feel kind of good. But we're eating bar food. And the Lord, the Lord has... He's calling us to something higher. So let's, let's be a people, at the end of the day, while we may look ignorant of what's happening around us, we're not ignorant of what the Lord is doing because the only safe place is under the shadow of his wings. The only safe place is in intimacy with him. And for some of us, that intimacy journey may be a struggle that may be hard for us, but if we try, if we step out like that prodigal son, we turn toward the father, he's going to turn around and run to us. And grab us. So, what do we want to do today? Um, All the things that I've shared, (laughs) as vague as they may have sound, really only come home when the Lord speaks to us about something. So, what I want to do in just quiet and silence, and for those of you at home watching over the internet or watching recording, I want you to participate too. So, don't turn things off because we get quiet, okay? Even if you have to go find a quiet place in your home. Even if you have to just go in the bathroom, what we're doing uh, online prayer appointments at Christian Healing Ministries right now, and probably a quarter to half the people, uh, we get on Zoom and then I, I set them up with prayer ministers, and they do an hour's worth of prayer. You know, maybe twenty-five to fifty percent of the people are in their cars because they can't in their own homes they can't find a private place just to receive prayer. Some of us, for those of you watching, get in your car, go to the bathroom, find a quiet place. We're going to just wait on the Lord for a few moments, and we're going to ask him, Lord, are there any promises that you, that you spoke a long time ago that you want to remind us about? Is there anything that we need to let go of? Father, are there, are there gifts, are there things in us that you want to re-stir up? And if none of that comes to mind, we can simply just tell him, Lord, I don't know what's coming, but I want to go with you. Those things, those gifts, those graces those fruit, those promises, that intimacy that Gary was talking about, and whatever else you have, that's good. So let's just take a moment and ask him if there's anything from our past that we have lost that he wants to restore, resurrect, redeem, because he likes to do those things. And ask him to do that. If there's anything that we need to leave behind, we can give him that stuff too. If there's anyone we need to forgive, do that. But at the end of our prayer time, I just want to make sure that you say, Lord... I'm ready to go to the table. I'm ready to receive all that you have. And I give you my whole self for whatever you have next in the life of our church and the life of our our church family. So Lord, we just take these next few moments and Holy Spirit, we invite you in to this place right here at Maranatha, Lord. We invite you in, Lord, to the private places of those watching over the internet, Lord. Even if there's noise around, Lord, would you create just a a little tabernacle, Lord, where we can meet with you and would you remind us Would you restore? Would you resurrect? Would you redeem? Would you remind us of your loving kindness? And Lord, allow our hearts just to utter to you, yes, Lord. Lord, we thank you for what you've done in this church in the past years, for that incredible foundation that you have laid. But we also thank you for what is and what is to come. And Lord, just from whatever way that I can as a a member of of the Maranatha extended family, Lord, I say, Lord Jesus, we want to go with you wherever that is. We want to be part of what you're doing. We thank you, Lord, for the incredible and even unseen things that this church has done in the community in the past. And we just want to be your helper. We want to be your friend to intimately know you, and allow you to use us in Jesus' name, and everyone said, "Amen."
1: Thank you, Gary. I think that as I was praying, the the Lord is using this message. This is a preparatory, right? And um, what we're going to do is the emails this week. Um, that we send out every day, we're going to follow along with the scriptures that Pastor Gary shared from, um, so that daily we can be in prayer, because I do believe that the Lord is stirring something, but there's a preparatory phase before that, and that Pastor Gary was sharing um, in those terms. So look to your email this week, because we're going to be kind of reviewing pastor gary just shared but i'm gonna just pray and we're gonna close we don't need to sing a song today um and father i pray that you would bless our hearts make us tender to your spirit lord Lord, your word says that things that can be shaken will be shaken. And we often do not like that. But that we have received citizenship to the New Jerusalem, the Holy Mountain, Lord, that we are your people. And our confidence can come from that. Father, as you move. In our hearts and in our memories, to bring forward things that we need to ask forgiveness for and to bring forward promises that have never come, come through yet. As you're doing that, it starts to shake our sense of stability or our sense of self or our sense of control, like we got this all together. Father I pray that we would be open to your working in our spirit lord Father I I pray that you help us to um to boast in you and you alone not try to prove to people that we know more than we do or that we're better than we are or anything like that, Father, but that we would be humble servants of you, Lord Jesus. Let us take seriously your calling on our lives as a church, as individuals, as parents, as friends, as children. You have a calling for each and every one of us here, and each and every one of us is listening Father, I pray that you would stir that, especially for those who feel they've lost it or betrayed it. Lord, you have purpose for us. Stir it up. Let your kingdom come and your will be done. And Lord, help us to be people that are willing to be reflective when necessary, that when you want to take us to places in our hearts and in our minds that maybe we've been unwilling to go because of pain, Lord, that we would be trusting of you. And Father, I pray that you would, as Pastor Gary listed, and as we'll go through this week, that we would see you correctly as one who loves to find lost things, one who loves to bring life and restoration, one who's very patient with us, even when we're impatient. And one who forgives to the utmost, but you also call us to forgive to the same utmost. Let us be people of your presence, Lord. In your precious name. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and lift up his countenance.